0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the For the Win podcast. I am your Tuesday host, Charles Curtis, and I am here with a familiar voice on the podcast, one that I uh, spent a lot of time with uh, during the NFL season. Uh, and I brought him back because it is NFL Combine season. It's actually done. Uh, and it's Steven Ruiz. What's going on, Steven?
1: Not much. Uh, nothing's really happening in the NFL. Nothing happened this past weekend, right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: nothing but a bunch of of dudes just uh, running really fast and lifting a lot of stuff and and jumping really high and far. So I'm I'm excited to talk about this because I love the combine. I think it's a quirky, weird event. It's a meat market. And at the end, you kind of have all these impressions. So um, what was your kind of overall takeaway from from this this group of of, uh, NFL prospects?
1: I was kind of surprised that there were no surprises really. Like I don't Mm. think, I think, maybe one guy really hurt his stock and that was uh Orlando Brown uh he's a offensive tackle with Oklahoma he had like an all-time terrible combine but other than him I don't think anyone really like helped their stock a lot or hurt their stock a lot I think I mean there were like a handful of guys but not as many as we normally see there were there was no one that like really took us by surprise.
0: Do you think that's because people now know kind of what to expect from from the NFL combine? I kind of do, right? Cuz they kind of know like all right, you know, a workout warrior isn't necessarily going to make for the greatest player ever. Um that said, I think that sometimes GMs get a little carried away with prospects, but I feel like our our expectations and the NFL's expectations with the combine are tempered. Do you do you think that's true?
1: I think that's part of it, but I think I think another part is that we just know these guys more, just because mm. there's more footage out there, there's more games on TV. We're not like taken by surprise when some when some guy like say Marcus Davenport, who's probably going to be a top 15 pick. He's a defensive end out of uh, Texas San Antonio. I mean, maybe in years past he would have he would have shocked everyone by putting up big combine numbers, but pretty much everyone knew he's going to be a first round pick coming in. So. I just think we know these guys already. Like I, I wrote that Saquon Barkley was gonna blow up the Combine before it happened. Like it wasn't a surprise that he did what he did.
0: Yeah, and then that's that's the person I wanted to start off talking about is, is Saquon Barkley because I think you, you you captured it perfectly that he's going to blow up the combine, which he did, and that he now stands to be potentially the top overall pick or at least a top four pick. Where do you land on the debate of, of of where Saquon should land or if he should be a top 5 pick uh, to begin with.
1: Well, I think I think taking a running back in the top 15 picks I don't think it's it's that smart. It's not a good use of resources just because you look at one of the one of the the things that make a first-round pick so valuable is that you have the rookie contract and you're locked into that contract for five years at least because you have the fifth-year option. But with a running back, a rookie contract isn't any different from like a free agent running back's contract just because the value has gone down so much. Like the difference between drafting a quarterback in the first round, you're getting a guy for like six million compared to what's the going right now, like twenty million. So it's fifteen million in savings. A running back like Lashawn McCoy is making eight million right now. And Saquon, if he goes first overall, will be making around that by his third year. So you're not really getting that value. And plus, we know running backs have a, a short shelf life. But the one thing about Barkley, which makes him different, is that he his game is more well-rounded than even a player like McCoy. He's more of a, a David Johnson type, a guy you can really build your whole offense around, even in 2018, just because he can split out wide and, and create mismatches. He's a great player. Uh, pass blocker so you can keep him in on third and long and of course he's a great running back so he adds all these different dimensions that your traditional backs don't like a guy like Adrian Peterson doesn't really affect the passing game at all because he he can't really catch and he's not a blocker so I think that's that's the only reason I would even consider taking him in the top 10 but uh, like any other running back like Fournette McCaffrey these these last couple of guys that were taken I would not have taken them in the top 10 but Barkley's different
0: yeah and, and uh, you've convinced me of that and I've sort of seen it over the over the weekend it went from like Saquon Barkley is going to be amazing to Saquon Barkley could be the first overall pick to the Browns which would be so intriguing and weird but at the same time like it it would kind of make sense to for a team like the Browns that has like an improved running game uh and, and a better line and they'd be rebuilding around Saquon and uh, potentially quarterback X whoever you know you think it's might be Baker Mayfield Um, that would be intriguing my thing about um, taking Saquon Barkley in the top five is is it's it's a luxury for a team that could use it and what I mean by this is you know we've talked about this as a Giants fan um, there's been some rumblings they'll take Saquon Barkley I I doubt it Um, but what do I know Um, at least I wouldn't do it. But I think a team like the Giants that's rebuilding, like why would you want to have Saquon Barkley for two or three years while you're rebuilding, wasting away, you know, running backs have these short shelf lives. Why would you want to waste your time uh, by the time he's banged up, uh, uh, you know, has some some on his timers in, in year three? Um, have you wasted kind of that, that youth that, that will make him so good? So I don't know. I think a team like the Cowboys taking um, – Ezekiel Elliott that high was that it was a luxury for them they could you know adding him to that offensive line uh makes him you know uh, go from elite to super elite so like I I'm, I wouldn't take him in the top 5 but I could see a team like the Browns doing it because suddenly their offense would go from putrid to pretty good with him and a rookie quarterback
1: yeah that's a good point you're bringing up you got to kind of line up your window with with you know how you're acquiring players and uh I don't. Yeah, Barkley would be already nearing his next contract, and you you have to believe he'd, he'd be wanting a lot of money by that time. And then the injury factor comes in, and also with Barkley, you have to—he—he's uh, a unique runner. He puts so much stress on his knees. It's almost like watching like Derrick Rose play in his like, before he got injured. Like you could kind of kind of predict like uh, this guy's putting way too much pressure on his knees just because he he cuts so violently like i i I was been watching his uh his highlights recently and you just i you just fear he's gonna get hurt like there there were times where i'm like oh that didn't look good but he just popped right back up and went back to the huddle
0: Um,
1: actually they don't huddle in college so he just walked back to the line of scrimmage
0: i i just i'm I'm a little concerned i i want to like break out your quote and and put it on twitter and be like Stephen Reeves just declared that uh, Saquon Barkley looks like Derrick Rose, which is like means you'll get an MVP season out of him at some point, but then like you know he'll fall off a map because he's he's injury prone. I mean, it's a risk, um, and I'm of the 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 philosophy that, you know, a guy like um, uh, oh, the the Saints running back Alvin, Alvin Kamara, you know, third rounder I think last year, uh, and and look at he turn into a star because he's in the right fit in the right place, like build your lines up first and then whoever runs behind the line like that that's great. So if I'm the Browns, um maybe I take a, like a stud uh defender, you know, one of the safeties maybe, uh and 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 a quarterback. Do you think that that falls in line?
1: Yeah, the only thing with the Browns is I I don't think there's like a fit at safety in this draft. There's not like a a center fielder type, say an Earl Thomas type, and mm-hmm. I think that's what they need because they took Peppers last year and he's more of a like a hybrid linebacker safety. Right. And they were forced to play him deep, which really didn't work out. But he played better when they moved him near the line at the end of the uh, the end of the season. So I don't know if they actually if there's like a guy out there that really fits what they do. Maybe uh, Minka Fitzpatrick. I think he fits what everyone does just because he 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 played so many different positions at Alabama. So I yeah I could see them doing that. I w- I wouldn't mind that kind of strategy. Take a quarterback and then keep working on that defense
0: yeah um speaking of quarterbacks josh allen was kind of a, a a big standout um at the combine everyone watched his him him go you know from his own 22 or no it was his own 10 yard line uh, and threw a pass to you know the next 20 yard line with with accuracy it was a kind of a perfect little throw and i'm just like yeah it's the combine <laughs> so yeah. that's so, the
1: right because everyone expected that yeah.
0: Okay, so they did because I thought accuracy was like kind of his not his strong suit. We know that accuracy in the NCAA does not uh, translate you know if if you don't have accuracy in college, you're not gonna learn it in in the pros right
1: yeah, but I don't think accuracy in a pair of shorts on an empty field really counts right like you he's obviously been working on his mechanics, which every quarterback is doing right now, but it's about what happens when you're actually in the heat of the moment do you do you go back to your natural mechanics, which are problematic with Josh Allen just because just he's so undisciplined in his lower half and that leads to his accuracy issues? Or is he going to maintain what he's been working on during the offseason? Usually it's the former, and that's that's what's going to give teams some pause when it comes to taking him with the top pick. But I think he did enough this this week. He showed that he's been working on his mechanics and teams are like looking for an excuse to draft him number one overall i feel like
0: why is that though is it just because he's a physical specimen and that's and and the other guys have like more flaws
1: yeah i think they always go for for the the physical specimen because they 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 have confidence they can shape him into something better hmm. but usually they can't
0: <laughs> yeah right well and and this group of quarterbacks and just it just feels like last year all over again where everyone's sort of like well, Josh Rosen, he's got attitude problems, and Baker Mayfield's kind of a weirdo, and uh, um, uh, who, uh, Darnold, Sam Darnold's is, didn't have a great year, and so like it, it, just feels like we're in this place all over again where we're uh, we're making excuses for like why these guys aren't top ten picks.
1: Yeah, but I think we do that every year. Uh, last year, going into it. Going into the draft, everyone said it was a weak class, but I think it was—I think it was a lot better than what people expected. And and then Deshaun Watson had a great year. Trubisky showed some signs. Uh, Mahomes looked great in his one appearance. So I think I think we do that every year. We're always—it's happened the last couple of years, unless we have like a bona fide number one prospect like we did with Jameis Winston, and even Marcus Mariota was right up there with him. Unless yeah. we have, that, then we're going to scrutinize the class.
0: Yeah, no, and I, I think that's true. That's a good point. Um, which which is the quarterback that you kind of think is is right now lining up to be the best pro after what you've kind of seen at the combine?
1: I, I don't think I've studied them enough to answer this question like appropriately. But okay. I, going with Baker Mayfield, just based on watching all these guys during the college season, I think he has. He's the most accurate quarterback. He has enough arm strength. Uh, he moves the best in the pocket, and he. he kind of like keeps his eyes up against the rush i don't he didn't do that the year before like the year before i thought this guy has no chance to be a good pro just because he's he was so affected by the rush but he improved by leaps and bounds last year and yeah right now he'd be my number one quarterback i think rosen would be two i'd go jackson and darnold probably tied for three i like jackson a lot more than other people do and then i'd put Allen fourth and i i'm not Oh, I guess he'd be fifth. I'm not a fan of uh, Mason Rudolph at all. One guy that I like, and I got a chance to watch his film o- over the weekend, uh, is Kyle Lauletta. He's a, he's kind of rising on draft boards now. I think he's probably going to be a day – he might be a day two pick. He's out of Richmond. He doesn't have a, a lot of arm strength. He probably doesn't have enough to make all the throws. But in the pocket, he's he's the best quarterback I've watched in this class in the pocket
0: intriguing, very intriguing um uh, we'll we'll return in a second talking about uh, another great story from the uh, from the combine but let's let's go to to our, our good folks at mattress firm uh, and let's keep the ball rolling shall we? everyone knows how important stretching is before an event, so does mattress firm except it's your dollar. Your budget stretches further when you're shopping at America's neighborhood mattress so- store it's a true home run, and you'll have a ball they're the head coaches when it comes to mattress expertise, but know this they are more than mattress experts they have a game plan that helps you transform your mattress into a bed from adjustable bases and sheets to headboards and bedroom decor they have you literally and figuratively covered up like your favorite cornerback go to mattressfirm.com podcast to see what deals are happening they even offer you a 100 a 120-night sleep trial to ensure perfection, and a 120-night low-price guarantee, so you know you paid the perfect price. Talk about a one-two punch, a knockout, if you will. Score big with the perfect bed. Head to mattressfirm.com slash podcast to get the play-by-play on how you can monumentally improve your sleep today, tonight, and tomorrow. All right, we're back here with the great Stephen Ruiz, who writes a lot about uh, NC NCAA. You write some college football, but mainly you do NFL football. Um, I just spent the morning with a bunch of NCAA folks um, at the March Madness uh, CBS event, so I've got NCAA on the brain, which is fine because you were here talking about the combine. Um, so I, I wanted to ask you about uh, Shykhem Griffin, who is the I think the just the big sort of story, um, the human interest story. I think for a lot of people, the, the linebacker out of UCF. Um, what was your big takeaway uh, seeing what he could do at, at the combine? I wasn't
1: I wasn't really surprised. I was surprised by the 40 time. I didn't think it was going to be that low. But
0: yeah, 438, it's, wow.
1: It's crazy that he put that up. He And he doesn't look like, I mean, just looking at him, he doesn't look like the kind of guy that would put up that time. He's not like cut up. He mm-hmm. kind of has a belly on him. But, yeah, he ran a 438. You can't. You can't uh deny that uh but i wasn't that surprised just because it's on his film like if you watch him play he's playing at a different speed than everyone else on the field i the only concern is the hand and i think that's gonna i think some teams probably have already taken him off the board just because they don't know what to make of it and how he's gonna deal with that in the nfl but he's shown that he he can adapt to any situation any situation you put him in he's dominated they he went to the senior bowl and he dominated he at UCF he dominated they he was a late invite to the combine and he dominated I I just wouldn't I would be afraid of passing on this kid I would take him if I was a team at the end of the second round beginning of the third round I'd take a chance on him because I I think he could end up being a star he's either going to end up being a star or he's not going to be able to make it in the NFL I think I think it's it's either one of those two there's no in between
0: see that's interesting cuz i thought that he would he would skyrocket after after you know his his 20 reps in the with the bench press with you know and and for those who don't know i, I don't know if we mentioned it, you know he's got he has um one hand the other hand is i think there was a birth defect right is that what it is yeah. right and so
1: yeah, his left hand is was uh, amputated
0: amputated that's right okay so so you know the guy used a prosthetic hand to help him do 20 reps at the bench press we ran a 4.38.40, which was blazing for a linebacker. I mean, that's like a wide receiver time uh, and a pretty good one at that. Um, and I just, I, I'm shocked that he's not a, you know, maybe round two guy, kind of guy, the kind of a player that, that you would trade up for. And I understand the, the concern about one hand, but, uh, you know, Jason Pierre-Paul is still in the NFL and he's, you know, he's been pretty productive since his, you know, fireworks accident. So I don't know if you can compare the two, but I just feel like, that kind of athleticism you can't you can't teach that and if that's your base well you know he'll be able to, to be a productive linebacker like he's been in college
1: and with with Griffin it's not just the athleticism he's a good football player he played he could play a lot of positions he can he can rush the passer he was really productive when he rushed the passer he can he's a run and chase type of linebacker like the kind of guy we saw in Seattle when they were at the height of their defense and he can even cover so he's perfect for today's NFL it's just i mean it's hard to project how that hand how not having the hand is going to affect him at the next level it obviously didn't affect him in college but these are different athlete, type of athletes i don't know if he's going to be able to to function without that hand so it's really just i think it's just a guessing game it's either or you're either getting a great player or you're getting or you're, you're wasting a draft pick, but I think he's he's worth the risk because with two hands he's a first
0: round pick. I think. hmm Yeah, and 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 uh, you know, we've seen him what he what he can do on tape, like you said. Um, I I even watched some of the highlights because I was like, this kid, you know, at the combine. I'd heard sort of the story, but I hadn't watched his his stuff, and I watched a few highlights, and I was like, he gets the ball fast, like, and and he he's got a good um acumen for the game. Like I think that speaks volumes like you say he's a good football player that to me says both he's got the mental and the physical down
1: yeah he's got good instincts and he's by all accounts a great locker room guy great teammate so yeah he checks every box it's just the hand is the concern i think it's worth taking the risk
0: yeah uh who is a player that you uh watched or, or saw that that had his his uh that kind of lost in the uh, in the combine
1: uh, I'll go back to Orlando Brown Just yeah. because his tape was so good But I mean It was such a bad performance That like, It was like, like a regular guy Got sent to the combine And, yeah. and you, it makes you go back And watch his tape It's going to make NFL teams go back and watch his tape And see if he's just big And that's how he was winning At, at Oklahoma And if that's going to translate to the pros Because obviously you have questions about his strength and his explosiveness after what he did so yeah i think he's the biggest loser from the draft i think he was a first round pick and now i don't i don't see any way he goes in the first round now he might drop down to the third
0: uh yeah brown ended up with 14 uh bench press reps that is how many fewer than than saquon barkley is that uh, Uh, 25 what was it
1: he had twenty nine.
0: Twenty nine. So that's fifteen fewer than a guy. He's how many? hundred something pounds bigger than. Um, guy ran a. And 50-
1: Rich Eisen almost beat him a forty.
0: That's right. Yeah. <laughs>
1: he beat he beat Rich Eisen by fractions of a second.
0: <laughs> which is which means, by the way, that he beat me by fractions of seconds because I ran a six one four and the guy ran a five point eight five. But of course, I'm uh I'm about two hundred pounds less than. Orlando Let's not Brown. forty shame. We're not going to forty shame. <laughs> exactly um and it's interesting cuz uh, the things i read afterwards were that brown could just go back to his pro day and suddenly explode but yeah i mean this brings in a question what he could be and i it's funny to me like i see that and i think to myself all right then i might spend a fourth round pick on him because maybe it's a, a you know just a one day faltering thing but you're right if 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 the tape is there and his technique's terrible then there's no way he's going to be a, an offensive tackle in this league
1: yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't really put a lot of stock into the combine. I just, I think NFL teams will though. I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up being a good player because he was a good player at Oklahoma. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I would, if if my favorite team drafted him in the second, at the end of the second round or third round, I would not be upset
0: and you put uh, Bradley Chubb the defensive end stud defensive end from NC State in there in your in your list of losers in your winners and losers column um, and i was wondering about him because i know that i think in your mock draft you had him going still as a top 10 pick right
1: yeah he had some he had slow times in the shuttle drills and the you know the change of direction drills which those are the most predictive drills for success for pass rushers at the next level so that's the only reason i'm concerned i on his his tape, he he shows the ability to get around the edge and change directions just fine. It's just those drills were just a little concerning, which which is why I put him on the losers list. I thought about not including him, but I still think he's going to be a top ten pick. He might even be the third pick in the draft.
0: Hmm. Yeah. What What do you make of the, overall this draft class in general? Do you feel like it's it's a strong one? you know in in terms of like skill positions or is it more of you know like i don't know uh you know i I see excuse me i see a lot of secondary guys you know a lot of safeties in there like is there any particular i don't know um strengths weaknesses that you see in, in sort of that that first 32 players
1: well yeah i think the quarterback position is really strong
0: uh
1: i think the secondary is definitely strong and then there are a lot of intriguing linebackers a lot of athletic guys new age linebackers and then after that, it's kind of weak. There's not like a lot of edge rushers, which we we've seen in the past. There's not the wide receiver position is really weak, uh, and the I, the running back position is pretty strong too. I should throw that in there. Yeah, so it's it's I, I would say it's weaker than normal. Like at the top, I think there's a lot there's a lot of good players in the in the middle rounds, uh, but compared to past years, I don't think this first round is going to be all that strong.
0: Okay. All right. Interesting. Um, was there a funny, was, do you have like the funniest moment? Cause obviously the combine produces a lot of funny stuff that happens. We've had, I don't know, athletes fall down while running the 40. We've had, um, uh, I don't know, um, weird stuff that's happened, you know, uh, on the field. Anything that, that stands out to you?
1: The best moment was the, uh, the defensive back from Weber state getting drilled in the face and the, the gauntlet <laughs> drill. Cause that's like what that drill's about is like, you know, like, being aware and, like, catching the ball and, and being aware where the ball is. And that that's, like, the ultimate failure in that drill is is getting hit, hit in the face with the ball. And oh, you could goodness. see, like, the players in the background and the, the staffers in the background, like, bracing for the hit before it happened. So they knew where the ball was coming from. He was the only one in the stadium that didn't. Oh, it was and, so brutal. And then the Penn State safety running the, the 40 at four three four just taking Deion Sanders by surprise. Was also hilarious for reasons that we probably shouldn't mention,
0: but right, okay, right, yeah. exactly. I mean, Troy Apke. Troy Apke, that's his name, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I love the 40, and I love, I, I, I love the, like I said, like moments like that. I think the NFL Network does a really great job of, of covering it in sort of a lighthearted manner, and I think that really adds to the the flavor. Of, and it's it like Bill Belichick went up to the booth for like nine minutes talking to Rich Eisen and, and uh, Mike Mayock up there, and I was that's like. There you go. That kinda of sums it up that Bill Belichick's very relaxed, willing to talk to the media and, and be, you know, kinda of chill. So uh, you know, it's also it's so also football on a stick. We have to mention football on a oh, stick. Oh yes, football you on got
1: a stick. A lot of love from Rich Eisen ended up being a Twitter account. And if you don't know what football on a stick is, it's what they use to simulate a snap for the defensive lineman, it's just the football with a pole sticking out of it so the <laughs> coaches don't bend over and physically snap the football. That's and so funny. It ended up getting into the booth and being interviewed by Rich Eisen.
0: <laughs> Football on a stick—it's—it's—it's it's, it's a thing. Yeah, I, and yeah, Stephen covered it all. Uh, Stephen, where can we see your stuff on Twitter? At, at the Stephen Ruiz—that's
1: R R-U-I-Z, ah, yes. U uh, I Z. I'll be tweeting out, you know, clips of college prospects over the next month or so, and then obviously I'll have a lot of takes on free agency, which gets started next Monday, I believe. That's when the legal tampering period starts, which is. An oxymoron,
0: kind of. But <laughs> do do you call yourself the Stephen Ruiz? Like, do you say like the Ohio State University?
1: No, I don't. I just <laughs> Stephen Ruiz was taken. Stephen Ruiz was uh like a. And then if you Google Stephen Ruiz, don't be surprised if you find like a Hell's Angel guy that went on like a murdering spree. That's not me. <laughs>
0: Okay, so Stephen is not a murderer, uh, but does cover a lot of NFL uh, stuff for us. And uh, yes, you should definitely follow his stuff. He does a lot of video breakdowns of why players are good, and bad, and uh, yeah, free agency. We'll have you back on when some of the dust settles from that. Thanks for coming on, Stephen. Yeah,
1: no problem.